Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I'm Vicky Barcelona, and with me, across from me, well, technically we're in a triangle, Ooh. is the show's namesake, BJ Shea. I am part of a triangle of death. Doom. As long as it's not a love triangle, I do not care. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there you go. All right, then. Well, I'm happy about that, too, because there's just too much drama. Death, there's not a lot of drama. No, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. On the other point of the triangle is Joey D. Hello. Uh, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about She-Hulk, the finale episode. And we'll see what we all thought about it, uh, as well as other TV show news. Hopefully hear from you, Gareth Von Kallenbach, big, big video game and Halloween movie news. And uh, then we'll have the geek sheet with, oh, moi. Oh, Vicky B. Vicky B. And uh, you can get a hold of us through our website, bjgeeknation.com, or you can just search for BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app, 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 to find us. And more. And more. More. I just, uh, we're now doing these on Fridays, so I'm kind of a little upset about that. You know why? Because why? I don't get to hear Joe go Wednesday. Wednesday. No more. <laughs> Only on the BJ Shays Board Game Alliance will I ever say Wednesday again. Yeah, and remember, we are doing these on Fridays, which, is, like you said, is two days after Wednesday. Wednesday. So you, you kind of can. I mean, you know, no, okay. We're trying. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Uh, did you actually watch She Hulk at all, Joe? I have watched two. Episodes of She-Hulk, the first two, not out of order. That's just two, one, just that's two. That's two more than I thought he would watch. Yeah, I don't really see this being as a show for you. No, I decided after hearing the cameo that we talked about, I think last week or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. that I would give it a shot because there's so much controversy around this show. And I, Tatiana Maslany is a great actress and I or actor. I didn't think that it could be that bad, so I wanted to at least put a little effort in and say I'll give it two episodes. All right. Uh, We are going to be spoiling it because it has been a week since it last aired. So just a heads up for anybody who hasn't seen this last episode. Spoiler alert. We did get the one of the big cameos a few weeks ago, like you were saying, which I very much appreciated was the whole Daredevil thing. And (laughs) And the old school Daredevil costume from, gosh, I think the 60s. He used to rock that uh, yellow and reddish costume before he went to a straight red. And I think this is a different, obviously a different universe than the Daredevil with Charlie Cox that we've seen previously through the Netflix series. Not only is his costume different, where he gets his costume, but even like his vibe so far seems a lot more chill. Is it still Charlie Cox? Yes. Yes. It is still the same actor. Obviously, it's going to be a little, I would assume, a little darker once he actually gets into his own series. Is it Daredevil? Not Reborn, but... His new series that will be coming out soon-ish. It is funny how Marvel has said, so we're going to have parallel universes, and sometimes the people look like themselves, and sometimes they don't. (laughs) Like like they're completely different people with the same name, and sometimes they are the same person with the same name. And you're like, all right, well, Marvel, it's your world. You get to do what you want. I mean, it's like Rick and Morty. If you've ever watched any episode of Rick and Morty, and they go to the, the Citadel of Ricks, like not all the Ricks look alike, not all the Mortys look alike in all the different universes. Well, I didn't know we were basing this on the Rick and Morty no. universe. So oh, I'm like, well. if you can accept that. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the, that is a, you know, I mean, that's a cartoon thing. This is real life Marvel, Vicky. No? Calm down. Oh. <laughs> I feel like it kind of, it, it, it makes sense. But what did you think of the first two episodes? 
Uh, I like the first episode. Um, okay. I, I I love seeing uh, Bruce Banner turn someone into the Hulk on accident, and I thought that did a pretty good job explaining why. Obviously, the ship comes out, you know, total comic booky type thing, you know, like just a funny excuse, you know, the the, the typical superhero backstory that makes you know just random occurrence kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, I thought the acting was good. I. Didn't like the second episode so much simply because it, I got big Spider-Man 2-ish vibes from like when Spider-Man was a whiny bitch and didn't want to be a superhero and spent half the movie complaining. And I was like, oh, I really hope they don't focus on that too much because, you know, you are a superhero show. So, And it didn't strike me as a comedy, at least from the first two episodes. Like maybe a little comedy, but no more than a normal Marvel product would have in it. So I was kind of like, what, what's this show's identity trying to be right now? I mean, when you are a millennial that has spent that much money on going to college, you're going to want to get your money's worth out of that degree. <laughs> so I don't blame her for wanting to be a lawyer. Yeah, I don't know. It's It was tough for me. And it's not that I didn't relate to that concept. Like, I was just put a lot of time and, you know, she's like, hey, superheroes aren't the, you know, cool people that we thought they were all going to be because there's a lot more supervillains now. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you didn't turn into random dude or random, you know, you turned into a Hulk. And, mm-hmm. and not only that, but like a incredibly badass version of the Hulk that has a lot of control. So I was like, not seeing a lot of downside here. But I, I mean, you know, because again, the Hulk can't die and the Hulk is the strongest person on the planet. So it's just one of those things where I was like, we'll see where this goes. But I don't see a lot of the drama really paying off considering I feel like, again, it would be like the celebrity status thing. Like, There are 50 superheroes in the world. You've become one. You are now essentially a celebrity. Mm -hmm. But I get the idea of not wanting to be one. Yeah, not everybody wants to be a celebrity. Some people just want to live their own lives, do their own things day to day, like what they know, what they like. And this is a multi-level story because Mm -hmm. it really isn't about... In my opinion, if you either you go deeper, and that's the I think the problem that some people have with their superhero television, superhero movies, is I don't want to go that deep. I don't want to have I I, I just want to know that what I see on the surface is really what the story is. But this is a story of a woman who's being told by a man, this is how you should live your life. And, you know, which a lot of women way back in the day, they would just get their uh, MRS degree, which is they only went to college to find a husband. Mm. And I really felt like there was that kind of message like, well, this is what happens now. You've got to go live this life. And she's like, no, I really want to go be a lawyer. I don't care if I got this Hulk stuff. No, let me tell you, I'm an expert on how to live life like this. And I feel like that message was embedded in the Mm storyline and may reach people who have had that kind of thing happen in their life. But again, if you don't like more than just, you know, like, let's just give me a story. Don't give me some hidden subtext that I don't know because I didn't live that. That's, I think, where people can have a hard time with this because it makes no sense the way Joey said it. But I think if you look for the subtext, Mm -hmm. uh, it makes a little bit more sense. And I think that's the problem we're having right now with superhero movies is that, they're giving us a lot of that subtext, and a lot of uh, a lot of geeks are like, "That's not what they used to do. That's not how it used to be back in you know twenty, thirty years ago." And it's true, you didn't get that kind of subtext as deep as you do now. Mm, I don't think it's my well, at least for me, it wasn't the subtext that I was bothered by. I don't mind the concept or or even the social like you know things that they're putting into it. It's I don't buy it in the world that they're presenting. Like we're talking about this is the Marvel universe, right? 
it goes to a, like a power thing, right? Like if you be if you're a person who feels very like unrecognized and you don't have a lot of power, and then you become the most powerful being in the universe, right? That changes your perspective as a person. But she is different than the Hulk. So the uh, Hulk yeah. eventually had to. He was one or the other, right? Kind of what she is. But then he has become Professor Hulk. So he is both. He is both qualities from like Bruce Banner's brain to the Hulk's bronze. And she's been able to, from the very start, pick and choose. And she feels, and this is something that I've kind of had to deal with to myself, where the person that everyone kind of wants to talk to, the person you put out there that everyone kind of recognizes, is maybe different than the person that you are for real. So when you want somebody to see you for who you are, like there's that disconnect. You're like, well, that's not who I am, so why would I want to be that? Oh, yeah, and I understand. I have only seen two episodes, so I don't want to say that. But I'm right. talking about her personal... Uh, personality should change when she becomes the Hulk, not because society wants her to, but because she herself is now a different person. And it, you know, it's like one of those things you don't get that choice at that point, right? That's kind of what they imply. Even they say, "Hey, you know, that's like, that's his argument." Like, I know you want to be who you used to be, but you no longer are. So you kind of have to accept that because it is true. Because she is oh, now. You're saying like her personality should change, like her, the Hulk her, does, like she, the Hulk dumb. I feel kinda. like, yeah, not dumb, but I feel like the growth of her realizing her own power shouldn't be masked by the fact that she used to be someone else, if that makes sense. Like there should I, be a little bit more embracing. Well, there actually, that does get covered and I bet it does. Uh, in, in like later episodes. Say, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what you're saying, there is some there is some wisdom to what you're saying, mm-hmm. Joe. And, uh, and Vicky, of course, what you said, I think is spot on as well, which again, the series does delve yep. into that. There's the other thing too, which again is a, tr- is, I think, is a female trope, and and trope might be the because the, 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 it's real life. You know, she gets judged differently and approached differently in different forms, and that's what she's like. I don't want that. I don't want. I, I just want to be Jennifer Walters, and she's forced to know we don't want Jennifer. We want She Hulk, and she's like, but I'm the. It's the same person because I don't have a personality change. But she's forced basically. It's like telling to somebody create two different personalities, or she's forced to wear a, a sexy outfit. I mean, I think that's also what's being said is like we want you to dress a certain way in order to to do what we want you to do and she's like that sucks and to the point where we won't accept you unless you're in she-hulk form and she's like but i'm still but i'm jen walters and all that even though i look differently and that i think is something that a lot of women have dealt with for a long time in our society and i that's the subtext of this show which you know again i have not had to deal with that i've not no one has ever said bj show up differently Please, physically. I mean, they go, look, we know what we're getting with you. Not much we can do with that. Just show up. <laughs> Try to take a shower once in a while. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And I think if you, if in, in like, maybe it'll end differently, but I think in a different show works. I had the same problem with the Captain Falcon, the Winter Soldier show, with the same thing. Like, you don't get to be the most recognizable person in the world and also not, you know, worth a ton of money and stuff. And they even show it in this episode where Tony Stark has bought the Hulk, a you know, gajillion dollar scientific lab. Yeah. We know that they're ta- well taken care of in that world because of how popular and how important they are. It's hard for me to believe that they would get away with any of this just, you know, as the basis of the show. That, I think, was subtext as well, talking about minorities and how they're treated, even though they're doing the same thing as people uh, who are Caucasian. I feel like that was the subtext of that show, which you would hope 
in the world and, of superheroes uh, and Tony Stark, that wouldn't have been the case. But and it gets a little tricky though too with Tony Stark and Tony Stark and Bruce Banner were BFFs, like they true. were best friends. And then when the whole Civil War happy happened, Falcon was on the opposite side of Tony Stark. So I could see there being like a a pride thing too, where it's like I don't want your money. But I would like to get paid for what I'm doing. But, but it is yeah. interesting. So I'm curious. Joey yeah. does make a point yeah. like they should be paid. But I get who pays them. <laughs> but yeah, who, it's never really been established who pays some of these people, though it's canon that Peter Parker always is broke. Yeah. You know, and he I mean, you know, really the most popular Marvel superhero. That guy has no dough. I mean, if you have yeah, you follow the comics, there are times where he's had some money and he's started corporations. But for the most part and currently he's broke. In this MCU universe, he's not, though. Correct. I mean, what he has is the billion dollar glasses or whatever. As I like to joke. That up, was a Tony Stark gift from him. But and that's I think the thing. Tony also said he'd set up trust funds with him in one of the movies as well. And yeah. He, so and I. Well, did yeah. he set up trust funds with Spider Man or with Peter Parker? Because now nobody knows that yeah. Peter Parker is Spider Man. That's, that's, that's always a great question. Mystical yeah. merits magic and really reset your uh, trust but fund the, there quickly. <laughs> but I think we're really, you know, since it's, it's, it's we're talking She Hulk, mm-hmm. I think. We, so Joey only has the first two episodes. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, valid opinions because, again, first two episodes, do I want to keep watching? Would you keep watching? I feel like, eh. Maybe. Again, it, I, I just I think the biggest problem for me with the show is I don't know what it's trying to be. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. funny. It's not really action-y. And they, she, she does this thing with the fourth wall that I don't like. I don't like fourth wall anyways. How do you feel about Deadpool, though? Deadpool's okay, but his is com- comedic. His is meant to uh. be comedic. Where hers is more just kind of like... Eh, here you are, you know, watcher. Here's what you need to see. And I'm, I'm like, I don't get, am I supposed to like the character for breaking the fourth wall and telling me that I'm an idiot? <laughs> you I know, mean, like, I feel like there are times where, she, like, maybe I don't, I don't remember exactly all the times she broke the fourth wall in the first two episodes, but there are times where I think I thought it was funny or I thought it was like a way to like find a, like connect with her, even if it's not a funny moment. It does connect you a little bit more. And Vicky, I'm going to say this. Um, it used to be we would just attribute this to gender, but now we know that there are people that are just on the emotional scale as far as how they just sort of experience life. Mm-hmm. There are people that are really good or really feel and really get those kind of emotional presentations and shows. And then there are people that go, no, I not only do I get it, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. So Deadpool is... Hey, hits you right over the head. Not right. really emotional when he breaks the fourth wall. Whereas She-Hulk, when she mm-hmm. breaks the fourth wall, especially in some of these things, like the last episode, she's breaking the fourth wall like, what the F? This is right. my show. What is going on? Why do we and, have to do the same bullcrap over and over again? And I think that's a powerful breaking of the fourth wall for certain people mm-hmm. who go, yeah, that's my life. And it's it's slightly funny, but there's more to it, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, and again, for the lack of a better term, there are there's dude humor. It doesn't mean you have to be a dude to appreciate it, but dude humor is like, look, it's not very deep, but mm-hmm. it's really direct, and you get it. Deadpool gives you that, and it's hysterical. Yeah. I'm breaking the fourth wall here. I know you're watching a movie. We all know it's a movie. It's like right. he, he reminds you it's a movie, and it's very funny. This is, you know, to me, she's saying, you know, this is really what your life is like, isn't it, for some of you? Like, people are just telling you how your life has got to be and how it's got to be and how it's got to go, including I'm on a show and I'm an, and, and, and I and I think that reaches people in a different place that actually works for them, even though it's two different styles of comedy or even entertainment presentation. And that's the issue we're having is that some people just, like, hit over the head Deadpool comedy. You're going, I want it to be Deadpool. And there are people like you, Vicky, and other people out there going, I like Deadpool, but I also like this, too. I think this is just as good for me. And, uh, you know, I think that's the trouble we're having is that they're writing to different types of beings. And 
I, well, I don't think both. I don't think one set of beings knows that. They just go, "I'm missing the whole point." I feel though too, because every time I see anything, the controversy with She-Hulk, it's like, what controversy? Like, calm down. <laughs> First off, like I, I, they not subtle at all. Make fun of the whole troll community when it comes to anything superhero or like when we got Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel or anything and people are losing their minds like why do they have to make it a girl but it's like calm down and they make they full-on make fun of that genre of people uh the incels if you will in the like, last episode especially was very good, yeah. in the last episode full on board and even with their uh, advertisements on like on Facebook and everything I've seen them just go on and make fun of them kind of uh, feeding the trolls, if you will. Like, all right, let's bait them a little bit, but you're kind of proving their point if you're sitting there crying about the things they're talking about. Yeah, I can see a little bit of that. I, I don't specifically like the Deadpool humor either, just, just to specify. Like, I just think that it's purposely just being comedic. Like, that's I, his whole point. That's my problem with this show is hers is a little sarcastic <laughs> sometimes. There is a little bit of comedy, but then it's almost like, like I'm better than you fourth wall breaking like hmm. oh we have to talk about my backstory because if i don't people won't watch and i was like what like i don't why are you presenting well, it that way <laughs> because it's true <laughs> but it's her origin story like that's yeah. like that's such a backhanded way to put well i'll tell you who i am i guess i was well, just like what th- <laughs> there's been there are people in the combo community go i'm tired of hearing how batman got started i'm tired, I'm of, tired of origin stories. so that's that's what and that's what that's and, and, and i have seen that i don't know if yeah, you've seen that but I i've have. seen people go i'm tired of it like if there's a new fantastic four movie it better not be an origin story but and, it's fourth mm. wall breaking right that's the weird part about it to me she's saying that to me as the audience yes, viewer intentionally right. and i'm like but i don't you're telling me what to think like what I'm thinking, and that's I'm like that's an assumption. Well, I thought that I was, think is wrong. See, I thought she was winking at me, going, "Well, you know, we better not tell it. We better tell the origin story, or you know, or whatever. If we don't do the origin story, people get mad." And I laugh because I'm thinking, "Oh, she's really." <laughs> I, I thought mm-hmm. she was really taking a shot at the people that hate origin stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just weird, right? And I feel like that's what this show does. It's very polarizing. It's like really yeah. trying to trigger people. And that's what I kind of well, got bothered by it. That's I was very like, interesting. It might be. There's yeah. a line when she walks into the bar and then she's like, hey, they want to see you as She-Hulk. And so she turns into She-Hulk, right? And then this this white t- trash lawyer who they write to be the worst person of all time, which I get, that person exists, right? But now he goes up to her and he's like, Hey, did you really just turn into She-Hulk during your first case to get clout? That's like that. That I can't believe you would do that. And I'm like, that line is never something someone would say in that scenario in the MCU universe. Two reasons: one, she lost the case and it got disbarred, so it did the exact opposite for her. And they tell you about her in the very next scene. And two, she can crush him. They all know hoaxes get angry and crush things when they're mad. He would be so frightened as an individual. My thing is though, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I love reading this like sub uh, genre of either tweets or on Reddit or whatever, where guys literally think, and I'm not saying all guys, there's just some guys that are like, oh yeah, you know, the female uh, athlete, like let's say Venus Williams or Serena Williams, like, oh yeah, no, I could totally beat them at 10. It's just because they're girls. It's like, no. And that's a, Joe, yeah. that's a legitimate that's, point. You, mm-hmm. I mean, congratulations, I raised your right. You, It doesn't occur no. to you, whereas Rick, Vicky it makes a point, there are men in the world who I've seen that legitimately don't treat a woman who has the same skill set as a man, or even more, at least, they they just don't take him as seriously. And I think that's intentional. I, it's, but, because but that's, you're right. That's a, you are absolutely right. That yes. guy should be shaken in his boots that she will kill him. And 
because you know the story of a Hulk. Even you don't, even if you don't know like how good she is at controlling her anger, you know that anger is part of the package of a Hulk. And yet he doesn't care because, well, you're a woman. What would you do? But that's my point of the show. That makes sense socially for us in our world. In the MCU, it's wildly unbelievable. Also, he's a lawyer. Like, they're lawyers. He knows that if she touches him by just unprovoked, quote unquote, like, he, if he doesn't touch her or anything and he just says something to her and she touches him at all, even a shove, s- sued. You are screwed suit. And I've also well, been listening to a lot of Reddit, uh, you know, what, what are they called? Justice, you know, revenge stories. And a lo- like all you need to do to get sued by somebody is put your hand on their shoulder and you can get sued for assault. And, and we could definitely split hairs because, I mean, yeah. I, I know what you're saying, Joe. And then, of course, obviously, this is now becoming an extension of the Marvel Universe with Disney Plus, And so they are going deeper into it's never been illustrated in the Marvel Universe, but it's never not been illustrated in the mm-hmm. Marvel Universe as far as jerky people, just jerky people in general who just treat people badly no matter how, like, even if, you know, even if they could get their ass kicked by those people. So bottom line is, is that this last episode, Definitely, it really, really did inspire people to, uh, as you said, Joe, polarizing. I um, I like the series. My daughters, Sarah, who's not a big superhero sci-fi person, that's been Joey and me our whole life. We've mm-hmm. been that, and I've dragged Sarah into it, but uh, with she Doctor likes, Who and stuff. She likes uh, superhero light. Like she'll watch stuff like CW stuff, like Flash. Yeah, and she's stuff. Just, she, and I think she'll do it because you know it's it's it's, it's time to watch TV with pops, but. You know, I like to get her opinion because she and my wife both are not like superhero people. Joe and I, we're like, we'll go deep. We'll be like, yeah, you can put something in front of me. We'll go deep. Oh, yeah. And um, I would say that this episode and the series, um, I like a lot of the actors in it. I thought that did a really good job with some of the actors. Uh, it's definitely, and, and you used a word uh, off air, which I think was a great word. There's a lot of levity in this show intentionally. And here's the thing that I think people are forgetting. And this is what I think a lot of Marvel fans are forgetting. This is Marvel Netflix. And not everything that Netflix puts out there is going to be the quality of Avengers Endgame or whatever movie you think. Or let's say Top Gun. Like, Netflix cannot give you Top Gun Maverick in everything they put out. Because it's an app and they can only do so much with their money that they have. So Disney Plus is the same thing. They can put a lot of money into a movie because they know they'll be able to get a lot of people to watch it. And then, of course, they can throw it on Disney Plus, maybe get more subscriptions. But you're talking about like a show like WandaVision or a Mm -hmm. show like Loki or a show like, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. These shows are not always going to be up to standards of a Marvel movie because this is an app. So they're going to give you not only... Maybe the quality isn't going to be as good, which that's just going to happen. I mean, I'm not I don't love all of these Disney shows equally because I feel like some of the acting hasn't been as good as a movie. Some of the writing hasn't been good as a movie. Uh, But I but I expect that because it's an app and it's the same. Also, they're not going to give you the same flavor that you're going to get Mm -hmm. in a movie. They're going to, you know, and they they kicked that off. They said, here's our first thing. WandaVision. As soon as I saw WandaVision and how they did that, I'm like, Okay, this is what they're going to do with a lot of Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. They are not going to give us the same standard presentation that we get in a Marvel movie. And um, that's just what they're going to do. And it may not be for you. I get it. You might be like, look, I'll just wait for the movies because I just think some of this stuff is not for me. And I think that's a fair argument because it is drastically different. Um, and at the same time, 
if you're somebody who's like, well, I like superheroes, and they're going down this road, mm-hmm. did not expect this. And if you're somebody who's looking to see yourself in anything, like, you know, and Vicky, you've talked about it before, you and your dad watching something and finally seeing characters that are you, people you can relate to, you being a Hispanic woman, mm-hmm. how many opportunities have you gotten to see that in, you know, in the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s? Not a lot. Side note. I keep getting more and more pictures, especially like from Spanish, like news article places on Facebook about Namor and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And he looks so good. And they took a lot of inspiration. Even with his little wing feet. I forgot he had the wing feet. They got a lot of inspiration from like ancient Aztecs, like architecture and stuff. And I'm just like, I can't wait. I like that. He kind of sort of, I mean, my memory of Namor is he sort of looked Asian. Uh, in the he original, looked like Spock. Uh, yeah, he looked like a Vulcan Asian sort of like character in the original Jack mm-hmm. Kirby version. I mm-hmm. think Jack was the first one to draw him in the Fantastic Four. So I'm excited that uh, you know that they actually make him again a different character, and I have a, a lot of high hopes for mm-hmm. you know Wakanda Forever. Obviously, it's not easy to to you know do a movie where you lose a really amazing mm-hmm. character and an amazing actor. So it sounds like you guys did like She Hulk overall. Overall, I don't know if, if Tatiana Maslany wasn't in it. I'm not sure I would have. Not saying it was bad, just saying it probably wouldn't be for me. But I love that actor. I love her tons, and that's why I watched mm-hmm. it. Uh, really liked the Abomination, and uh, I really thought Emil did a great job. Yeah, Tim Roth. Uh, oh, excuse me. T- yeah, he played Emil. Tim Emil, Roth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought I he lo- did a nice job. There was a lot there in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to therapy, so the idea they went, and I've been to so many seminars with my wife that were pretty much like the ones that Emil ran. So I got a big smile out of the, the sweat lodge, the yurt. I got a, <laughs> all the sharing circle. I mean, Vicky, for me, I'm like, my God, it's like they followed me my whole life <laughs> and went to every seminar that my wife took me to. So there was a lot there for me to love. Oh, and by the way, these were Marvel characters. Uh, On top oh, of that. It's Tatiana. So, yes, there will be a season two, I hear. Yes. That's what I'm seeing, but then I'm also seeing, like, maybe not. I, I It's kind of. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was I thought actually. It, I thought it confirmed. was, too. And I looked, and, like, somebody's like, is it getting renewed? Oh, I thought I for, for sure I read an article, but. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have high hopes. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, yeah, the, the, the CGI at times wasn't that great. Uh, there was a there was a yeah. reveal about the the Hulk having a child, At which the was very end. Yep. Yeah, which is why there was a spaceship, Joe. There was a spaceship for a reason, even though it did come down and cause the accident. That spaceship did have a point. Okay. Uh, so you where, know. where did I know we talked about it a little earlier? Where did this show end up being in terms of like comedy drama? What would you classify it it's as a, for people it's who haven't a, seen it? It's a dramedy. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lighthearted dramedy. Lighthearted dramedy. Got it. Okay. That doesn't take itself serious at all, but then does. When you take a look at everything that Jennifer goes through, all of her pitfalls, everything that happened to her, you kind of go, you can't say this doesn't happen in real life. Um, And I also really didn't. I will say this. The power couple... Of, spo- of spoiler of Matt Murdock and Jennifer, I thought they actually had really good chemistry together. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised by that. And um, I don't think this is the Matt Murdock we've seen before. Like he's a little bit. He feels like he's had a healthier life. A little bit. Yeah, he's it just, feels like know. he's had a bit of a. I don't know what you know. Like maybe he's had better people. Maybe Stick wasn't his only mentor. Right. Maybe he had some positive role models. Or he hasn't Stick. met Electra yet. Yeah, there, there's that possibility. <laughs> um, 
But even Charlie was, I mean, and the, and I have to say, my favorite part of the episodes, and maybe you just want to watch those episodes, when they fought together and they were going back and forth on how they wanted to do stuff, they even made fun of, like, how difficult it is to be a street hero as opposed to just an overpowered superhero, and they were dressed that really fun. I, that was my favorite part of the series, It was was Matt and her together trying to be a team to fight, and both of them are lone wolves just in life. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed her trying to find someone to just love her for her, which was a big part of it, too, which, you know, is a thing that a lot of women have to go through. Is like, can you just appreciate me for being me? Do I have to dress up or do I have to be a certain way? Do I have to shut my mouth? I have seen this in real life where women do get judged differently than men for doing the same damn thing. Um, so that's why I think this show will speak to a lot of people. And also to a lot of pe- people who go, I don't know what the, I've never, I haven't had to experience this. I don't get this. What's this? Why is this a thing? And also this is a Marvel show. Why are you putting it in a Marvel show? I do wish there was a disclaimer. I go, dear Marvel fans, this is not a Marvel show like you know, even though it features Marvel characters. Skip it and watch the movie that She-Hulk will be in, whatever movie that will be in. And there probably won't be much reference to this anyway. Uh, just like WandaVision, I think. You know, really, I thought it was lame. It was, when I say lame, I thought WandaVision was lame because here's why she's going to be an evil person. I'm like, no, it's cute, it's clever, uh, but it's lame. And not, a, not as much action as other shows. Well, and even I didn't care about that. It's just that I thought that, you know, Joey and I are about plots. I'm just like, no. You know, and frankly, they should have done something about her as soon as she took over a whole town. She should not have been allowed to go retreat. It, she should have been public enemy number one after WandaVision so that something like that would happen in Doctor Strange 2 shouldn't happen. But again, the movie couldn't happen. It's like pitch meeting. Why are we? Why did we not go after Wanda after, the, after she took over the whole town? So the movie could happen. You know what I mean? Because Doctor Strange 2 doesn't happen if Wanda is captured the way she should have been. Because you don't just enslave an entire town and get away with it. I don't care what your reason is. I wanted to be happy. My husband died. No, you're an evil person at that point. Well, not evil, but you have a lot of mental issues and you should be in therapy mandatory. You enslaved an entire freaking town. That is, yeah, I mean... She should have been public enemy number one right off the bat. They show they do a bad job of showing that, but she is like the most powerful superhero at that point because she's fully embraced the. Evil. I agree. This is why, like you know, that's why it's like nobody. And I think there there may be something like Vicky pointed out. Maybe she was never taken seriously, even by Mister Fantastic and by Professor X. Maybe he slightly had a clue where they're like, "We've got it covered. Don't worry. This one is no problems." Like you see. You know what? Doctor Strange is nowhere near as powerful as WandaVision, but yet you got rid of him in your universe because you thought he was a mess, and you just let Wanda go, no problem, and Mr. Fantastic becomes String Bean Man. Black Bolt goes, hey, you know what? Uh, just like my show, it blew up. And, uh, you know, I think there's a statement there. It was so stupid, and then I'm like, ah, oh, but you know what? Men are that way sometimes, where they go, yeah, she's fine because she's a woman. And I think that was a subtle subtext message of Multiverse of Madness. I really do. This is why they let Wanda go. And maybe that was what we're going to say. But it was lame, you know. And sometimes you're going to get that from these Disney shows. They're not going to be as sensible as us Marvel fans are used to with the movies. Well, what do you think about the Star Wars shows then? We have Andor, for oh, example. Andor. You know, Disney has been putting out. I very much have enjoyed The Mandalorian. I really enjoyed the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I haven't gotten into Andor yet. Mostly, oh. m- not Again, it kind of goes back to the levity thing with Game of Thrones, Andor, 
uh, especially how I know I've seen Rogue One. I know how things end. I, I just I want something a little bit more happy-ish, something that's not going to make me fully hate the day. <laughs> so how are you guys liking Andor so far? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, and of course, Joey Dees and I, This is these are shows now we go, okay, we're going to get into this. This, this, in my opinion, so far how they've handled all the all of these Star Wars shows, they've taken them very seriously. They're, you're not going to see a WandaVision or a She-Hulk approach to these Star Wars shows. And, uh, and, and I feel like Andor, Joey, they've taken very seriously, that's for sure. I, this is what I wanted from Obi-Wan. This is what I really thought that they were going to do with Obi-Wan, which was have adult writing. This is not a Disney Plus show. Like, they literally, okay. and spoiler for everyone, they shoot someone in the head in the first episode. And I'm like, this is far more realistic to the Star Wars that we would really know, where there is a little bit of brutality. And there's a levity in the show towards maybe the second uh, uh, half of the episodes. But, yeah, I mean, the... the it's a little slower for sure, so I can understand people's complaint about that. But if the way that they're doing it is they're doing a director every three episodes and allowing them to essentially tell a story arc. And I think it works perfectly. I think they should have released them in three-episode chunks like they did with the first three, not do the episodic thing four, five, and six like they did for this last uh, three episodes because it kind of is you know, a little waning in some points where they're just building the story. But like, if you get those first three-episode chunks, it's a, per- it's a complete story. The acting's good. The writing is great. The dialogue makes sense. The you know the bad guys fit for pre uh, yeah, empire like uh, recruitments from the local planets, and you see some corrupt police. A- Andor is not really a good guy in any part of this, which is interesting because it makes you wonder. Okay, well, how does the rebellion really start? Like you would expect, stealing money, and then on this last episode, we got the conclusion of the heist, which was the uh, last three episode arc, which were Andor, uh, the our main character gets recruited to steal a bunch of Imperial credits as a mercenary, and he joins this group of people who are essentially the beginning of the rebellion, who think that he's working for them, but in reality he's just working for hire. And uh, we get a good scene and a great uh, setup on a planet with a meteor shower that has a, like a, the tiniest MacGuffin that just makes mm-hmm. sense. It's a, two, a two-liner that, you know, and this is my problem with Star Wars, that's all you have to do. Why can't TIE fighters come in and save the day? Uh, there's a once-in-every-three-year meteor shower that uh, stops people from flying. All right. I mean, it doesn't have to be that believable, but it's believable when you watch it. And it's just like, that's what pissed me off about Star Wars. It's like, just take a little bit of time in your writing, write two or three things. It's, it's like, the, oh, that's what pissed me off about Obi-Wan. Oh, uh, I hid her under my trench coat in the Imperial base and we walked out the front door. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, who's looking at your crotch? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Darth Vader. So it's refreshing to see some some actual writing that holds up. And, you know, again, it's nothing special. I'm not going to sit here and give it, you know, an Academy Award or an Emmy or anything like that, you know. But I do think they've, they've clearly put time and effort into the writing. And this is for a more adult audience. And I did hear that, like, Diego Luna said, like, this is, like, going to be the only season, which makes sense. 12 episodes. Yeah. 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 Going into the Rogue One movie and how that ties in with everything. Yeah, it. Um, this was the exact opposite for me than She-Hulk, is that I watch She-Hulk because I love the actor, and therefore I'm like, I'll just watch anything she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego Luna and his character of Cash and Andor never did anything for me. Okay. I I just didn't care. I, I, it, I, every time the guy was on the screen, I'm like, dude, you're just not reaching me. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. It, it, you know, the actor just, it didn't, it just, I'm like, eh. Um, and so, but I thought, well, it's still a Star Wars story, and luckily, there were other people in the cast that I uh, that I really, really thought, okay, I like a lot of these people. I don't know if I want to take a shot at Diego Luna. I'm not a fan of his acting. And I think 
you know, sometimes when he's around other people who I think are good actors, it shows. That's my opinion. It, it, it's a sad thing. It was I, I, he's not as bad as um, uh, as Boba Fett, and I forget the actor oh, that played Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, and and I, it's, it's look, it's horrible to say, but I'm being honest. I don't, I'm not saying it to be cruel. I'm just saying it, this is why the guy doesn't reach me. He just doesn't do enough for me to make me think that like I should care mm-hmm. about him. Uh, even though his story is a great story, I still don't care about him. Uh, now I don't uh, really see too many movies or shows. Oh, apparently he was in Elysium. Oh, oh really? Okay. I'm going to have to go back and check that out because I know Elysium. I he, have that recorded on my... I'll have to watch that again because I don't remember him from that. He played a character named Julio, but I'm just looking at his IMDb. He has done a lot of voice acting recently. That is like kind of what he's been known for in the last few years, aside from being... Uh, Cassian Andor. He seems two-dimensional. It just seems like no matter what the emotion is, it's like he's got the same look on his face to me. And that that, that, that it's like I just don't feel like I don't know what I I just don't feel much with him. Uh, oh, and he was in Narcos Mexico. I, I didn't so, see that. I don't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. I wouldn't say he's on the level of like an Ian McGregor, a Ewan McGregor, who I would really enjoy as Obi-Wan, even though I didn't like the show as much. I'm with you there. But I wouldn't say he's bad either. I'd say he's a, you know, a decent actor, but nothing but when that really you, grabs me. When you surround him with people, you know, uh, like, uh, well, Sully Remy, who played uh, Lieutenant Gorn, and, uh, you know, when you, oh, uh, and of course Stella Skarsgård, who, who you know. Skarsgård's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. he's fantastic. And even uh, the actress, and I don't know her name, who plays Mon Mothma. And uh, she was also in that great Australian show about the dead people coming back again. Uh, uh, it's glitch. Yeah, glitch. Yeah, uh, she's so good. And Alex Lothar, who plays the computer geek kid, um, you he was in a great episode of Black Mirror, uh, and also in a show called End of the Effing World on Netflix. <laughs> and he's fantastic in that. And and here's the thing: like he plays characters that are kind of lifeless. But somehow he compels you, he draws you in with his performance of lifelessness. So that's why it's not just that Diego seems like he has like one emotion. It's just he just doesn't do it for me. He's supposed to be very reserved, but I could I do agree with you that there are scenes where I'm like, there should be a little bit more emotion on his face. Something should be there. Uh, and for you folks that know the TV show, uh, the uh, the um, the Bear. Uh, which of course is that show about cooking in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally was like, for a while, I was like, who the hell is this Arvel guy? He looks familiar to me. He looks familiar to me. And then I realizing, oh, it's a uh, Ebon Moss Bachrock who plays the crazy cousin in mm-hmm. the Bear. And I'm like, wow, that talk about an actor because he played a very reserved character compared to what he plays on the Bear. So I was that was a pleasant surprise because I couldn't put his face to save my life. Um, I liked it. It moved slow, but then it really picked up. It is a great part of the Star Wars universe. I think it's going to be great leading up to Rogue One. I liked Rogue One again, and it wasn't because of Diego Luna. And uh, you know what? I also and I can't remember the woman that played the part of his. Co- I didn't care about either one of them that much, to be honest with you. But I love the story that led up to how we basically got the Death Star plans. The story captured me, but the acting, you know, was like, eh, you know, it just. There was just I just didn't it just didn't grab me the way even though it was a great story I think it's the same thing with uh, Andor it's a great story and look if you like Diego Luna then hey look but then you're going to have a super bonus of liking this well how okay so going from this show to a show like Game of Thrones well not really even Game of Thrones it's House of Dragons Game of Thrones prequel like hundreds of year prequel or whatever and I think I mentioned this on the last episode my mom already finished like or she's up to date if you will. 
Uh, and she's not really feeling this season. She was a huge Game of Thrones fan. Wow, really? Like, she got into Game of Thrones before I did, and she was upset with the eighth season as well. Tell so, her to watch Ring, <laughs> Rings of Power all, uh, and, uh, and, and then turn around and watch yeah. House of Dragons, and that might change her mind. Yeah, because she's just like, eh, I don't know if I get it 100%. She wasn't feeling it. But then again, I'm kind of in the... not that I'm not feeling it. I really want to know the story, but I don't really want to have to go through the emotional Vicky, Vicky and mental... Vicky didn't like comp- the, uh, the, the, the beehole. No, the she yeah, did not. After the first episode, I was like, yeah. I will finish this episode after this point, Yeah, but I'm not going to binge it like I had planned it. I mean, I, look, who doesn't like a good beehole episode? <laughs> Boo! Yeah, I did not... I, I didn't think it... Like, just, I am not a modest person. I am not see, a prude. Was, like, yeah. so that's why I was like, why is... like? It, but I, that was a mistake. They said we wanted some B-roll. Oh, and the guy misheard it. Oh, and, oh, oh, and oh. Like artists, man. Yeah, they totally were like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Director or HBO guy. Oh, well, uh, might as well. We already, we already got it going. So we so. had their, uh, the season finale, I believe. No, uh, this uh, is episode was, nine. We have one that's more. That's right. We have, that was the penultimate. It yes. felt like a season finale, mm-hmm. actually, how the, this episode ended. Yeah, yes. you're right. We have one more episode. Uh, and Joey, you're watching it. I'm watching it. Vicky, like you, did with She-Hulk. She, she gave it like, like an episode or so um, and said, I, I'm out. I will eventually, I think I will watch it, but I can't binge it. Like I, I, I figured, okay, sweet, I'm going to watch a bunch of them all at once. I am so happy that people get to know about Matt Smith the way I've known about Matt Smith because he was a fantastic doctor and uh, people started seeing he could do a lot more when they watched The Crown on Netflix and he got to play uh, King Philip. Uh, and well, uh, and then David Tennant with the whole Dark Omens and even with Jessica Jones. I love seeing like these doctor doctors oh, yeah. uh, from Doctor Who playing well, more darker roles. Yeah, and this is, I mean, Damon, mm. you know, Damon Targaryen <laughs> is definitely, hmm. he's uh, he could be the, he's the MVP at least for the most part of this show. Yeah. <laughs> I hate how much I like this show I gotta tell you because I wanted to hate Game of Thrones so bad especially after they butchered the last season this is not a perfect you know Game of Thrones season by any means but I will say I think they knocked it out of the park for what they had to do and what they had to do was reintroduce people back into the genre without really you know turning people away because of the old uh, seasons from previous Mm -hmm. they had to introduce a bunch of new characters they had to set up seasons two, three, four, you know, down the line. And, th- and it was almost impossible to do because, as we see, the jarring chime jumps in this season are essentially all to get us to this one point because what the story is going to do is follow the Mad King later on in the following seasons. And I got to tell you, I mean, this last episode was, I, I mean, it was great. There was nothing really too bad. I think the only argument you could have was the bad CGI. <laughs> I mean, that was really about it. As we see, they uh, crown a new king after King Viserys passes away finally which was you know preluded in the last couple episodes Viserys the peaceful mm-hmm. and he felt like no one's going to remember me because I had a peaceful reign and that was his whole bag was like just don't want war and people and everyone everyone you could tell that yeah it's not good enough buddy you got to be remembered as a conqueror you got to be whatever and and I, I think that says a lot about humanity I, there's that, a lot of subtext in this show too that kind of makes tons me tons of subtext so when I was in high school I was uh, I took the Shakespeare class I was really interested in it and one of the Shakespearean plays that I really, really liked. And the first play I ever saw live was Richard III. And this is like the, one of the first bits is that he does a monologue where he basically says, I am a really great fighter, but when times of peace, I have nothing to do. Like he loved war. He would go out and battle, even though he was like this big, you know, hunchback of Notre Dame looking monster. He had kind of like these canes. He, so he was described as very spider like because of the way he walked, had a hump on his back. 
So he got bored. He's like, I'm going to be king. I'm just going to make myself king. So this is kind of the vibe I get. It's like during during peacetime is when the most chaos can happen. Yeah. And this king was not a strong like he wasn't a war king. I mean, he no. just that wasn't his bag. But everybody else is like, eh, let's mess some stuff up. At least that's the vibe I'm getting after watching. Well, yeah, everybody has their own reasons to want to do stuff. Yeah. Well, so Vicky, I think you've seen the first episode. Yes. And I won't spoil anything. But you, you can. Well, I've we, seen, I mean, you already told spoil me. Spoil it, Joe. Do it. Well, I was going well, to tell yeah. you the amount of time jumping there is. There's. Okay. Okay. Two or three time jumps, and I think it's about 20-ish years total, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. So you see this kind of transition to from peace to the prelude of war, which is why I was talking about the whole uh, you know Aegon coming into power yeah. now. Um, and But what this show does really, really well is it gives you a great uh, version of the world, right? Because it's not okay. the same Game of Thrones world. They poach a little bit from the old show, which people aren't too happy about because it's kind of like, well, we know how that show ends and it was bad, so you probably shouldn't even mention it. Uh-huh. But the thing, and I think, BJ, maybe you understand this, I think they, the one thing they screwed up is in this last time jump, they had a bunch of kids, like a second generation of kids. Yes. And they just named them all the same name. Like, oh, of all the characters that already exist in no. the world. So it's like Aegon, Egon, Viserys, Viserys, and it's just like, I can see why people would be like, I don't understand what characters are doing what now, and all the kids have changed actors again. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, one of, and one of the kids actually... <laughs> Looks a lot older than the other one that's supposed to be the oldest. Yeah, yeah. It was like, whoa, okay, that's weird. Uh, but other than that, what you know, once they established the world, which I think was really their main point, hey, this is where it's going to kick off, and this is where we're going to follow the show for the next, you know, two or three seasons. I mean, it's awesome. The, sh- the shot of this last episode was essentially Aegon walks into this gigantic church hall, and he is being anointed as king. And they bring in like thousands of people, and then all these this a huge amount of knights come in, and they all uh, cross swords as he walks under the swords, and they're beginning to crown him. The new and king. he is a king that's not supposed to be king. Viserys, before he passed away, had anointed uh, the main character, whose name I am uh, Rhaenerys. Rhaenerys, thank you. I was going to say yeah. Daenerys. It's Rhaenerys, of course. Of course it is. Yeah, uh, uh, to be the next ruler, which was going to ignite the wars among all the factions, because there's never been a female ruler essentially. And uh, so they go away with that. And what happens in the last scene, BJ? Well, one of the rulers of the other lands, the uh, uh, the shores, the tides, the ruler of the tides. Oh, yeah. Princess uh, Princess Rhaenys. Rhaenys Targaryen, comes crashing yeah. through in her dragon to essentially declare. I mean, she doesn't say anything, but she's declaring war against the crown because she doesn't believe the rightful king is now or, or queen is now uh, taken up the throne. And this is I mean, this is exactly what I wanted. I, I was like, there's going to be a dragon. I don't know. I, I didn't actually think it was going to be her dragon. I thought someone else mm. was going to ride in a dragon and save her because I was like, well, there's literally like a what one minute off screen where she like leaves the hall and then comes the back. And you're like, did she really run to go get her dragon in the last minute? <laughs> that was mm. really fast. And uh, it's uh, I, I think it's Renera and not Renera's my Renera. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah this was uh, and. You know, this is it's a coup. It basically is a coup. What this show shows you, what I really love about this show is that and Vicky, you kind of hinted, hinted upon it. People, you know, they they just think they know what's best. And even, you know, like like, like peace is just like nobody thinks peace is good. Uh, and even the peaceful king is called weak by his own brother because his own brother doesn't seem to understand that, dude, 
War is not cool, but everyone's looking for the what like the warlords are looking for war, even where it, when it doesn't exist, when mm-hmm. there could be a peaceful alternative. And even the queen who's like, I'd like a peaceful alternative to this coup. We're having the coup. We'll do the coup. But let's have the peaceful alternative. And, you know, and, and the manipulation that goes on, the manipulation of one's own children. I mean, we saw that this show does such a great job of showing you the ugly side of medieval politics, because in medieval times, and maybe tomorrow, maybe it even happens sometime today, really, when you think about the marriages of convenience in order to keep things together and keep the, you know, keep the property and the name and the bloodline and whatever people would do to maintain power or grab at power has ruined so many of everybody else's lives, like the regular people, uh, including the people that were killed by the dragon breaking out at the end, who were told they were forced to go into that church to watch the ceremony, and now they're dead because, well, there's infighting, politically speaking. And that is like real life. You're like, okay, yeah, this is a fantasy show, but this is how friggin' politics worked back then. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, kind of works right now, even though we're supposedly more civilized. But the grab for power and the the retention of power at the cost of the average person you're supposed to be representing in the first place. uh, Wow. I mean, this show in the first season did an amazing job of showing you just how stupid humans can be. (laughs) Yeah, there were great subtle tones from the the old show, too, where you have the the good ruler who thinks that she's going to be able to lead her people through justice and then realizing slowly that she's become corrupt and now she is realizing all of the things that she's going to have to do to save the kingdom and they, she says she's going to do it for the kingdom but in reality it's for her own power and to protect her children and yeah. just great themes throughout the show and it really reminds you of what Game of Thrones did best. And here's what I love. And I love this because usually when you make a two-dimensional, and, and this is who, Aegon in the original Game of Thrones was always a two-dimensional enemy. Whenever they referred to him, the Mad King. You yep. never heard anything good about the guy. Mm-hmm. We get to see this dude, and really, the entire time, he's like, I don't want to be king. It's, he's like, I don't want this. Please do not give it to me. And he did everything he could. I believe part of the reason why he was he's depraved, he'd go into the city, he'd have yep. sex and things and do all sorts of horrible things. I think part of it was, if I am bad enough, they will just go forget about it. Which, by the way, if you take a look at some of the, you know, the, the history of the Queen and King of England mm-hmm. and their relatives and what they, I mean, they like, you know, you're just too stupid to be. We'll have to pass you over. He was hoping for that. Never happened. Meanwhile, he does have a brother who really should. This is very much like um, Queen Elizabeth's father. And I forget his name, but the King's Speech, I think, was a show based on it. Um, you know, he was like the younger brother was whoever was was the one that they made king because the other one was just acting like such a fool or said, I don't want it or did some stuff. So he got it and he didn't want it either and uh, that was uh, yeah whoever Queen Elizabeth's dad is George VI yeah and George didn't want it and so you're like this is like if I'm English I feel like this whole show is you know like saying hey guess what England this is this is the history of your stupidity. It's pretty true with a lot of monarchs in that kind of a society. But and what a great way to end the se- the, sh- the the season uh, penult- penultimate episode with him just fully engrossed in the power. Like you can tell once he's on that stage and he's lifting the sword and people are cheering. He's like, oh, maybe I kind of do want to be king. Okay, this isn't so bad after all. I mean, you know what? I think I get whatever I want now. I get all the food and all the ladies and men and dogs and cats, whatever I want. It reminds me, I just want to throw this in. A show I keep telling you guys to watch, unfortunately, it 
I recently heard they got canceled after the second season, Crossing Swords, another dirty oh, animated sorry, show. sorry, buddy. Sorry. Uh, done by Seth Green, but there is a part where uh, Glenn, the father of the main character, Squire, and the king are battling out on ice skates on who is going to become the new king. And he's like, wait, I'm going to win this. I'm going to, wait, I don't want to be king. That's like being parent to a whole country. I don't want, I don't even want to be parent to my kids. Like, ugh. So that's my thought. I'm like, uh, do you really want to be king? You have to be in charge of everybody. Yeah, he. Yeah. <laughs> I don't you know, blame him for thinking that. They say that, you know, it's a, the, the best, the best leaders are the ones that don't want it. But then there are people who you go, look, you should. Mm. And, and that's the thing about a monarchy is like, you know, you don't just pass it along. That's not the way leadership should go. Pass it along just because you have the name. And I mean, this show talked about it doesn't matter. Like like that was what it was all about. Even one guy that knew his kids were bastard kids. You know, he's like, I don't care. Their names are going to be my name. Doesn't matter if they're my blood. Names more powerful than blood. So I thought that was an interesting conversation. If you told the truth in this show, you got killed a lot. I mean, and, and so uh, we saw that happen in the last episode. Uh, two episodes, you know, some guy stands up and says, here's the truth. You're dead. And another guy gets up. Here's the truth. And really... The one that I will say, uh, Sir Christoph, Kristen, uh, uh, Sir, yeah, Sir Kristen, yeah. Sir Kristen, the way he started in the show and how he's ending in the show is unbelievable. You talk about a good soul just basically like f this and becoming a corrupt, horrible person. His yeah, his uh, character suffered the most from the time jumps because they do kind of quickly gloss over it, but it does make sense for his character that yeah. he would go from a, a very uh, honorable knight to essentially a very corrupt knight without even realizing it. Yeah, and and it's 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 unbelievable, and 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 he was used. You know, he was he was yeah. going to end his life, which in a way. Maybe that would have been better for him, but he was manipulated by the queen, uh, who you would think was a nice person, who she also had these morals, and she changed the decor of uh, of King's Landing to make it look more religious and more, and, and to the point where like the like like the daughter of the king comes back and says, "I don't even recognize this place. What the hell did they do to it?" Uh, but you know, when Pops is dying and someone else is going to decorate, Queen yeah. Allison took over. Yeah, it uh, it's uh, boy, and then she realizes she was manipulated by her own father to put herself in a position to be attractive to the king who just lost his wife. There's a lot of effed up mm-hmm. stuff, and then you go, oh yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah politics mm. and humans, and you know, it's a uh, it's a messy business which they do so brilliantly. And yeah, Joe, I didn't think I would like this show that much, but. And I don't hate Rings of Power, and we're going to talk about that next episode. But in comparison, that was the sad thing for Rings of Power is it should have been run at a different time. I think if anybody found out, they shouldn't have run together because the, the writing was, is just oh. so starkly different. Yeah. You can tell that the, the Game of Thrones understood what they wanted and they got it, and Amazon gave us Lord of the Rings fans something, I'll tell you that. Mm. Yeah, if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan or at least don't know the books, Maybe it's okay. And also, Amazon had their hand tied behind their back because they didn't get to use all the Lord of the Rings property anyway. So they had to make a bunch of make them up stuff because they couldn't use all the characters and all the storylines. It was just, it seems like it's a beautiful mess. piece of garbage, <laughs> maybe some people's minds, which we'll tell you about next episode. But you know what? It's not a beautiful piece of mess. Gareth von Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. He's going to join us to talk some video game news and Halloween stuff. Gareth von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Reviewed. That is S K N R not dot net. Gareth, I have a feeling we have more game news. I've seen Gotham Knights all over the place. What do you have to tell us about that game? Okay, so Gotham Knights is dropping today, and it is uh, pretty big. It's very expansive. It's been uh, coming for a while, and people have been really excited about that. So for those who don't know, it's 
essentially a continuation of the Batman Arkham series in a sense. They're not directly related, but if you played those games, you would understand the makeup in that Batman is dead. And the aftermath of his death is the grounds for a very large investigation that keeps becoming darker, more mysterious, and branching as you play. So you can play either as Dick Grayson, who's now Nightwing. You can play as the new Robin. You can play as Batwoman. Or you can play as the Red Hood. And each one has got their own styles and different ways of going about things. And so one of the beautiful things about the game is that you have a very large and detailed open world Gotham City that you could pull out various vehicles to travel between points. But you have to go out. Sometimes you're on patrol. Sometimes you're back at the Belfry where you can upgrade your powers, do research, that sort of thing, customize your character. But when you're out in the street, you have uh, all sorts of enemies and possibilities, not just common thugs, but popular characters from the Batman universe that are there. And so it's very interesting because some missions you may have to fight your way through a bunch of goons, take on a boss. Another time you might have to solve uh, puzzles using like your resources and your crime labs to do that. And it's very interesting just how large and branching it is, like uh, going into a prison, finding sometimes you have to be stealthy. Sometimes you can go in and, of course, like the Arkham series, there's a ton of moves, but it's very simplified. Playing on the PS5, you have one control to hit, but how you do it and com- combine it with other buttons will uh, give you all kinds of different moves. So it's, it's really impressive. That's awesome. Did you miss Batman at all, or do you even feel like they needed it? It wasn't anything, you know, just glossed over it? Still feels like a great game. Let's just say he start, he, he plays a big part of the game. I, that's, the, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, it, it's an extremely large game, and one of the beauties of it is that there is a co-op ability to it. They recently said that at launch, they will patch it that you could do four-player co-op on it. Now, oh, wow. this has been a bit controversial because they've said it'll be locked at 30 frames a second if you're doing four-player co-op, but you do have that option. Yeah, and yeah. The game will play differently depending on which character you use because they all have different combat styles, different abilities, and so on. So one of the great things I'm hearing is people saying, I'm going to play through it with all four characters. Gotta love replayability in a game, especially if you get different story arcs. Absolutely. And, of course, all the side missions. And, you know, there'll be updates and everything coming well into the future on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Arkham series did great, so it doesn't surprise me that they'll be rolling out more content for that after the game's initial release. And right in time for Halloween, which leads to the next game you want to talk about a little bit about. Well, I hear there's a Ghostbusters game now? Absolutely. And this one is a lot of fun because... Uh, Number one, it's got cross-play built in from the start. So Xbox, PlayStation, PC, doesn't matter what you're playing on, everybody can join together and play. And it is a somewhat continuation of the last film in that Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd are in it, uh, but as NPCs. And essentially, Ernie Hudson's character is financed a revival of the Ghostbusters. You're one of the new recruits. You can play solo. You can play with other players. 
you can even play as a ghost if you want to, depending on the type of uh, multiplayer mission or campaign. And to give you an idea, just imagine this. You have your training, you've got your ghost trap, you've got your proton pack, customize your look, customize your character, all of that fun stuff. One of my first missions was in a museum. And uh, let's just say a proton pack can do a lot of damage if you don't hit uh, the ghost properly and trap it and put it in the trap. Oh, no. They can, all, they can spook people where you have to calm them down, that sort of thing. Uh, closed rifts, that sort of thing. Well, let's just say you get hit with a bill for the damages. Oh, and if gosh. you destroy that priceless dinosaur exhibit in the course of bringing down the ghost, that's going to affect the bottom line. You're saying the government's coming after you if you break some stuff. Absolutely. And so it was kind of clever because the ghost can also change form. So, like, if it's hiding from the Ghostbusters, it can be a mop bucket. It could be a stuffed animal. It could be things like that. So you also have that element of there's a time to go straight on, and then there's a time to just sit back, hide, wait till you get a target that's unsuspecting, and then go after them that way. So uh, early stage is the game for me, but I'm enjoying what I've seen. I mean, not state-of-the-art graphics, uh, but the gameplay solid, and the team Ilphonic, they're the folks who did Predator Hunting Ground, and that, I think, is a good example for people in that that was the game that started out, but they continued to have a ton of additional content going forward. And so I think you can see the potential for a lot of expansion for it going forward as well. Yeah, you got to love a game that has uh, evil mop buckets in it. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and of course, lastly, in the gaming section, we do have the big Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and I hear there is more news before its release. What is going on? Okay, so right now they've started the preloads for the people who have uh, bought it, and uh, it's massive. And of course, uh, a lot of people are very uh, curious about this. Obviously, whenever you release a new Call of Duty, you're going to have the people saying their stuff, and then you have the fans, and then you have the people that are just really curious to see what we're going to get. So we have the campaigns, we have the various multiplayer modes, we have some of the new ones that we saw in the beta, but it's very important to remember, this is a not just a new engine, a new tech, a new upgraded Call of Duty. This is essentially the franchise for two years because next year we are not scheduled to get a new Call of Duty game. We're going to get a Warzone 2 next year, but the actual next Call of Duty game with the campaign and all of that is not due until 2024 currently. Now, um, this means that this game is going to have the usual updates and seasonal maps and all of the stuff that they normally have for a year times two. So it will be interesting to see. You look at Call of Duty Vanguard and you can see now all of the maps, all of the new stuff that have been released in the year since the game came out. Just imagine that times two, where they have to essentially really double down, I think, next year to keep the franchise fresh and relevant because there are people like me who, while I play Warzone, I'm not as big on the Battle Royale. For me, Warzone is fun when I play it with my son and a couple of other people, but I'm not the big Battle Royale type person. I like the more traditional multiplayer and the zombie mode, and it's just going to be really curious to see what they do with an extra year to keep putting content out. Most definitely. I can't remember the last time they have only released one Call of Duty in two years. 
it has been a while, that is for sure. Well, before I let you get out of here, Gareth, uh, Black Adam has been released. We are starting to get early reviews, and they seem to be a bit mixed. And I hear you have some information on maybe why that is. Well, one of the uh, stories that we found out is that it originally had an R rating attached to it. Uh, apparently, there were what was told to me to be roughly 13 graphic kills in the movie. And uh, that was just a no-fly. That was not going to happen. And it, it was very interesting because you look at the duality. Marvel has stayed away from R-rated films under the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but that's going to be changed. I mean, I know everyone's going to tell me, well, what about Deadpool and what about Logan? And it's like Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those were still under Fox at the time. Now that Fox is part of it, now that these characters are being folded into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've been told, okay, Deadpool can still be R-rated. That's the plan, but we haven't seen it yet. DC has gone R-rated in their animated movies, but they've yet to do it for the live action. And I think there was this real question of, okay, is this going to be the film where we truly go dark and make an R-rated film? But in the end, it looks like they said, no, we got to make sure the box office, because remember, we've talked about the issues with Warner Brothers Discovery and hearing the stories about they may not have all the revenue to uh, properly promote the slate of films that are on there. We talked about some movies that are content that is being removed from the service in a cost-cutting measure. So the belief is that they just basically said, we got to be as safe as we can, PG-13, and make it as safe and accessible to everybody because our rating is going to potentially limit the box office. Yeah, that does not surprise me. I would have been shocked to hear that the, the Rocks movie was the one where they decided, you know what, rated R is where we need to go here. Yeah, and here's the interesting thing about it. I keep coming back to the Snyder Cut. And how long until after the movie comes out did we start having fans going, we want an unrated version, we want the unrated version. And remember how they pushed and they pushed and they pushed until we got the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. And I'm thinking about it going, boy, HBO Max, wouldn't that be ironic for them to say, okay, when it drops on streaming, we're going to have the unrated version available for you as well as the theatrical version. That would not surprise me. I mean, more content really never hurts, especially if it gives you that second resurgence after the movie leaves theaters. Exactly. And for those that are still trying to keep the home video market afloat, you stick it on Blu-ray, you stick it on 4K and go, hey, guess what? We've got the theatrical version and the unrated version. Or at the very least, you could say, hey, those scenes that were too hot for the theatrical version are in here as bonus content yep i mean it's a great way to sell product i'll tell you that much absolutely and it keeps the franchise interesting because after it's had its run in the theaters maybe it's uh you know kind of yesterday's news then you could say hey guess what we've got all the stuff that was considered too much for you to see the first time around and people love those extra juicy details. Ah, when I, I, I am excited to see this movie. I do hope it ends up being good. Uh, excited to hear your review of it eventually, Gareth, when you see it. Um, but then, until then, we're going to have to wait to see if we do think this movie could have gotten a rated R uh, review. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, I'll give you guys this much. Stay for the bonus. Stay through the credits. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I, we, we've been taught well these days, huh? Thanks, Marvel. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that was Gareth from uh, Skewed Interview. That is SKNR.net. Gareth, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. Take care now. Thank you again, Gareth, so much for joining us. That is SKNR.net. But moving along, we have to get to... 
The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky! Talking about stuff you got to watch this weekend. <gasps> this weekend? Oh, uh, that's right, because it's Friday. It is Friday. I will go through some movies, and then i uh, got to bring up something big's happening in TV this weekend as well. You know it. Uh, one of the big ones, and we have zero, as of the moment of this recording, zero reviews, audience score, tomato meter, or, or anything, but Black Adam. Supposed nothing? to be coming out. Nothing, nothing. So there's no pre-reviews what? done as of yet. That's wild. Right? So well, I feel like this might end up being one of those movies. I'll, it's probably going to come out in like two months on HBO Max, and I'll watch it there. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I've heard like on the TV commercials, they're like, this is the best DC movie yet or whatever. But mm. that's oh, odd that there's that, nothing. They? Like, I can't believe that hasn't been previewed yet. I, that's interesting that they're not. Unless they have a uh, moratorium. They haven't lifted it yet. I don't. I have no idea. That's odd. I wonder how much Warner Brothers has to do with this because they have been on fire in the last couple months. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> one movie that I am actually, I, ne- I didn't really hear about this, but this is a Netflix, like movie coming out on Netflix. Netflix that I'm really excited about. It's called Wendell and Wild. It's a stop motion looking movie. Oh, okay. From the creative minds of Henry Selleck and Jordan Peele. Who the heck is Henry Selleck? You're like, I think I know that name. I recognize that face. Um, You know, he only directed The Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, Coraline, you know, no big deal. So so he's he's the stop-motion guy. He is the stop-motion guy. And this is a movie featuring Keegan-Michael Key and uh, Jordan Peele. Uh, And it's about uh, these two characters named Wendell and Wilde, an animated team of scheming demon brothers who enlist the aid of a 13-year-old girl named Cat Elliot, a tough teen with a load of guilt, to summon them to the land of the living. But what Cat demands in return leads to a brilliantly bizarre and comedic adventure like no other, an animated fantasy that defies the law of life and death, all told through the handmade artistry of stop motion. Wow. Look And look at Jordan Peele, man. This guy is like, he's just like, I will make movies on anything and they mm-hmm. will be great. Uh, 95% as of right now on the tomato meter with 20 reviews. Uh, Also, I wanted to give a side note. uh, Keegan-Michael Keel, it's not a nerdy show, but because I've been craving a lot of levity, I ended up watching Reboot, which it's like, it's a weekly show. show. It's a Hulu show. Very lighthearted. Basically, it's a old sitcom TV show family and they get rebooted and it's all the drama behind the scenes. Great cast. It's funny. It's dramatic. Oh. I very much recommend, and he does a killer job on that as well. Uh, another that you can check out, it's called, this one's interesting. It's called Slash, and then a slash back. Slash back. Oh. This is, <laughs> it's weird, but it's a horror sci-fi show, and I watched the trailer, because I looked at the poster, I'm like, this is interesting. Think Paper Girls meets horror meets alien invasion. Oh, Wow. Uh, and it's about a group of young girls, like maybe 13 year old, and they're living in like the Arctic in their tiny little Arctic town uh, when they discover an alien invasion's coming in. And so ut- utilizing makeshift uh, weapons and attack ho- the ice block. Kind of. So it's paper girls meet attack the ice block. OK. <laughs> uh, they use makeshift weapons and their knowledge of horror movies. Uh, and the aliens realize you don't mess with the girls from paying. This looks pretty badass. It has a lot of uh, native actresses in it. I, If it wasn't for the scary, I would want to see it. Because some of the parts in it, I guess it's won, not won awards, but it's been featured in film festivals and stuff and has done well. But I don't like the scary. It's like tentacly face monsters. Don't oh, got to like those watch. guys. Do, uh, not do it. Watch it, Vicky. Watch it. And they're kind of invading bodies and stuff. But oh, that's pretty cool. 
do not want, will not watch. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I need no. somebody to do like the, the Vicky cut. Can someone edit these for me? No, you're not going to watch it. No, but I do want to end with, uh, if you're not going to be watching any movies, maybe you'll watch the finale of Doctor Who. Ooh. Yeah, this is it for Jody, uh, Jody Whitaker and Chris Chibnall, for that matter, the, uh, the, the creative team that has been much maligned uh, with this current run of Doctor Who, this current Doctor that Jody plays, the first female Doctor there has been. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is the last one. She only, they only did specials this year. They didn't do a full season. Okay. And this is the, the power of the Doctor and... They're bringing out all the stars in this, and I love that uh, for, for you know this last episode. And then next year, there's going to be a centennial edition, I think the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, which is insane. Um, but yeah, so this is going to feature her. A couple of companions from the fifth Doctor's reign are going to be in it. I shouldn't say that. One from the fifth Doctor, and then one from, oh, maybe the seventh Doctor. Uh, I will just say Peter Davidson, and you may know Peter Davidson as basically the father-in-law of David Tennant. Uh, so the fifth doctor was is the father-in-law of the tenth doctor, I think is what David was. And, um, yeah, so we are going to have um, uh, T- Tessa, Tessa, oh, my God, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Tessa, oh, t- well, T- Tiff, oh Tessa God. Thompson? No, it's not her, her the, name, the name of the character. Ace also oh. from Sylvester McCoy's doctor. So the two of them are going to be in it. And my apologies, I can't remember the, the Tessa's name if it's, it's not Tessa. Uh, if you look up the, I don't know, uh, if you look up the Power of the Doctor's cast, you'll see her. But uh, anyway, she was a flight attendant. Uh, she was an Australian flight attendant, so she was pretty awesome back in the day. And Ace carried around a baseball bat. And uh, that's how she used to run around doing stuff in the Doctor Who universe. They're, they're going to be in it along with uh, the Doctor's nemesis, the Master. And uh, it is uh, looking really awesome as the and she will regenerate and we will supposedly see the first shot of um, uh, sex education's uh, Chutigatwa as he is the basically the first African doctor that will be on the show. Awesome. Yeah. So um, that is uh, that's some cool stuff. You have no plans this weekend. You have plenty of things to watch. Tegan. Thank you. I was very. Her name is Tegan. The other. Oh. I just had Tourette's syndrome for Tegan. My bad. Well, until yeah. next time, guys. Stay nerdy. <laughs>